Hello and welcome to Pause and Listen, a podcast series brought to you by Big Dog Pet Foods, the leading pet nutrition provider in Australia with over 20 years of experience in the pet industry. We provide educational resources for pet parents and are proud of being transparent in everything we do. Hosted by various members of our Big Dog team, we bring you interviews and deep dives into pet nutrition and care, training, and regular Ask a Vet segments. Thank you for tuning in. Get your tails wagging and we'll get yapping. G'day and welcome to another episode of Pause and Listen, a Big Dog Pet Foods podcast. My name is Jazz and I'm a member of the Big Dog team. Today, I have the privilege of chatting again with Chris Essex, Big Dog's founder and managing director, and canine nutritionist, Narelle Cook. In this episode, we'll chat further about health and nutrition with a particular focus on detoxing and what that looks like in our pets. As always, I want to say a quick hello to all the puppies out there listening. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back, guys. I know we've been having some chats about gut health, which led to me trying to crack some poo jokes, which aren't my favorite, but they're a solid number two. (laughs) But seriously, we were discussing leaky gut, so we thought we better hit record before you guys share too much of the good stuff. Chris, mate, why don't you just kick us off and bring us all into the conversation here? So, Narelle, let me ask you, we're talking about leaky gut, um, and then there's a lot of talk out there about detoxing. Um, you know, my initial thoughts are that we've got to fix the leaky gut, obviously, first, before you even attempt to to go on some sort of detox. Um, what do you think about all this? Uh, that's that's correct. So when because if our guts or our dog's uh, guts are, are leaky, um, any toxins that are sort of processed by the body can actually be reabsorbed back into circulation. So we definitely need to heal the gut. Um, whether we do that first or sort of as part of a process of detoxification, like in conjunction, you know, that's possible too. But ideally you'd heal the gut first and then from there you'd move forward to um, looking at supporting those detoxification pathways in a more sort of um, sustainable way so that, you know, our dogs have the health that they need long-term. Yeah, I don't think it's an overnight process, that's for sure. And neither is is the repairing of the leaky gut. It, it takes a bit of time. Now, if you're considering detoxing as well, repairing the leaky gut might it might just fix the issues that you why you're even considering some sort of detox. So you might have your bases covered just by by that first step in, in repairing the the leaky gut. But then if you you are going to that detox, we're all saying it, it is a it takes some time and it, it's not an overnight quick fix. Here's a magic pill and now you detox. It doesn't work like that. Nor is it healthy. Uh, some of these quick detoxes either and and detox is is there's different parts in the process like, for example our organs if we're trying to detox those organs that's great there's herbs and there's other products that can help with the detoxing but then half the time it gets back down into the intestinal system and then it's reabsorbed as well so then they need the other complementary products and herbs and, the, and that as well so there is a bit of a process it's not just a and, and there's a lot of detox programs out there that yeah and I mean, our bodies and our dog's bodies, which I have recently learned from Narelle, or like I just had a little light bulb moment, moment, they're actually always detoxing. Like that's what they're designed to do. Like the kidneys and the liver, they are actually always doing that. So 
but you know we're putting a lot of pressure on them in a way you know so that they're just working in overdrive and so you guys are talking about like well I know we use this this fad term of detox but it's like it's really just supporting those pathways I think was what you said is supporting them so that they're functioning functioning better or at their best well would all be dead pretty quickly if our bodies weren't detoxifying so yeah you're right in that um our bodies our dogs bodies are constantly detoxifying so it's not like we need to go on a special detox for that process to be happening um but the problem with our dogs more so than us which is really sad is that their burden of uh, environmental chemicals, for example, is so much higher because one, they're, they're low to the ground, um, you know, they're on carpets and furniture that's being treated with, you know, flame retardants and stain resistant chemicals, you know, they're work, walking through environments outside that have had chemicals on them. So our dogs are just bombarded every day with um, chemicals from the environment and chemicals from the food that they're eating if they're on a standard, you know, commercial kibble. So it's really important that we do support our dog's detoxification pathways so that uh, they can maintain really good health because a lot of people may not realise if their dog's a bit flat or if they've got skin issues or gut issues, that it could just be that the detox pathways aren't working as well as they should be. So they'll still be working, but they may just be compromised. And if we start with the liver, for example, so when everyone thinks of detox, we always sort of think liver there's more to it, but let's start there. So when we're talking about liver detoxification, there are two key pathways that we need to consider. So there's phase one and there's phase two. Now, the easiest way to think about these two pathways, so phase one, think of phase one like a single conveyor belt. Um, And it's where toxic compounds in the body are broken down by enzymes they're called cytochrome P450 enzymes, but they're just enzymes. They break down these toxic compounds. They go along this phase one uh, conveyor belt and they get to a junction. Now at that junction, they're actually more toxic and more damaging to the body. So firstly, for that phase one conveyor belt to work, our dogs need specific nutrients that comes from the food they eat. Otherwise that conveyor belt won't you know, won't move and things will just build up and build up and build up. But when it gets to that junction between phase one and phase two, they actually become really toxic free radicals. And that's where it's so important that our dogs are getting a really decent amount of antioxidants in their diet. And the best place for those are coming from our fresh fruits and vegetables. So that's why I love that um, our dogs have some plant matter, you know, brightly colored plant matter in their diets. And if once we're at that junction of the conveyor belts, phase two, think of it like six different conveyor belts. So you've got phase one, a single conveyor belt coming in, gets to a junction and suddenly it turns into six different conveyor belts. All of those conveyor belts have a job to detox different types of chemicals in the body. But each of those conveyor belts relies on specific amino acids. So the best and highest quality and most bioavailable amino acids our dogs are going to get is going to come from raw food and not you know, processed kibble and soy and corn. So what happens is, so let's say, um, so people have lots of chemical sensitivities or if you have asparagus and, you know, you can smell it (laughs) when you go to the bathroom. (laughs) That's an indication that something's not quite right with your detox pathways, particularly the chemical, multiple chemical sensitivities. So sometimes what happens 
you know, that first conveyor belt, you might be getting lots of toxins broken down, but if those phase two conveyor belts aren't getting the amino acids, like the high quality amino acids that they need, then they won't be working quickly enough to clear the toxins from the body. So you get this buildup and that's what triggers all the symptoms of inflammation and it could be skin, it could be headaches, you know, for humans. Um, lots of things can sort of manifest in there. So there, and that's where diet becomes so important for our dogs. So if a dog's been on like a highly processed commercial kibble that could have lots of, you know, synthetics added in, preservatives, colours, that's all a burden for our dog's body to break down. And and it will struggle, you know, to do that. And then when suddenly we add in these fresh whole foods that are really rich in bioavailable compounds, suddenly these conveyor belts, it's like adding WD-40 to the conveyor belts. So, yeah. You know, like like that. that. Suddenly like, oh, my gosh. So they're zooming along. So they're going to start um, excreting those toxins more quickly from the body. But if the liver isn't ready for that, that can, you know, trigger short-term symptoms that can freak a lot of pet parents out but it is just a sort of a temporary state of the body uh improving so I don't know if I've explained that well at all yeah and oh my god and like it just all makes sense I'm like listening and I'm like oh yeah it's amazing it's brilliant. <laughs> like, going everywhere it's like our factory the, w- <laughs> the WD-40 got me <laughs> like, I know that word I'm not real happy about the uh the, the asparagus smell because obviously I'm I'm not yeah, right. Here now, because I'm I'm a victim of I'm a victim of that. Uh, look, it's inevitable. Most people, just because of the lifestyles we live, you know, our lives aren't perfect, our diets aren't perfect, and um, you know, there's always going to be something slightly compromised in terms of our health because of that. But yeah. Also, can we guys? Can we talk about um, the toxin release when pets are losing weight? Because we know we've got a lot of overweight dogs out there and I, I don't know, like what does that look like? What, do, what does toxin release look like? Like if a, body, if a dog's body is under a lot of pressure and their little um, detox pathways are really working hard, like you're saying that would be happening when they're eating a really crappy diet or whatever. But so what is happening there when they're losing weight and and that little their system is working hard and there's lots of toxic release into the body? Have I articulated that well? Like I just I read that briefly and I just wanted I found it really interesting and I really wanted you to explain it more because we do get pet parents get in touch when their dogs are losing weight and or they're eating out they've moved onto our food to lose weight and make them healthier, but they see all these like yucky symptoms and I'm just I just wanted to hear if they may be associated to that so absolutely so we know in human health that um the more overweight or obese someone is the more likely that they are to have a higher sort of toxic burden in their body and the reason for that is again we're you know through our water through the air we breathe through the food that we're consuming you know we are taking in a lot of um toxins particularly so the persistent organic pollutants which are a big issue for our dogs that you know they they're plastic toys they're plastic bowls um, the environment itself so they're all a threat to the body so if let's say the detox pathways aren't working optimally and our dog's bodies are getting a build-up of these let's say persistent or persistent organic pollutants um, because that's a threat to the body, that's a danger to the body, the body in all its wisdom sequesters or pulls 
those toxic compounds out of the bloodstream and stores it in the fat cells because our fat cells are pretty much inert. Um, I mean, they do have some endocrine functions, but pretty much, you know, they just, they draw things in, they store it, and then there it stays. And that's a protective mechanism for the body. But what happens, and I see this a lot because I do a lot of weight loss for humans as well as dogs, but, um, you know, everyone wants to lose weight quickly. And so they go on these really crazy fad diets and they drop a lot of weight. But when they lose that weight, like really quickly, that those fat cells are suddenly going to be releasing anything that they're storing, whether it's um, toxic chemicals, whether it's heavy metals, things like that. So suddenly the body's just being like bombarded with all these chemicals that were in storage until then. Um, and that can cause a lot of skin breakouts. It can cause a lot of mood disorders, um, headaches, migraines, you know, up upset, um, you know, like bowels, all that sort of stuff. But it's the same with our dogs. So when we need our dogs to lose weight, so, you know, the studies show that raw fed dogs tend to have a healthier, leaner body weight than kibble fed dogs. So if someone's transitioning from and doing the right thing by transitioning from a kibble diet to a raw food diet and their dog is naturally losing some weight, which is a really, you know, it's what we want. Better to have a lean dog than an overweight dog. Um, you know, they may see some symptoms, some detox symptoms arising if they do that too quickly. So it's really important. Like there are official guidelines, you know, for the percentage of body weight that dogs should lose, you know, to be a healthy weight loss. Like it's one to 2% per week of body weight is sort of the industry standard that we're looking at. And it's the same with people, you know, I'll tell my human clients, don't lose more than like 500 grams to no more than one kilo a week. If you, you know, if it's someone that's got a lot of weight to lose, because you need to do it slowly, you need to do it healthily um, to minimize sort of that detox reaction from sort of really um, being prominent. Yeah. So you're not a grumpy, cranky monster, I guess, while you're like losing weight. Correct. So to put that into perspective with our pets, if you've got an overweight dog who's, um, you know, let's say he's 40 kilos, but his, his optimum weight is 32. He, he's, he's quite grossly overweight. You don't feed him immediately change over and feed him as a 32 kilo dog because that's what he should be. You feed him as a, a 38 kilo dog or, and then you just slowly bring it back and then a 36 and a 34 until you get them to that stage where, you know, you, you're happy and where their weight is, is where it should be. So it's not that immediate, as I said, feed as a 32 because you will be exposed to what else just. Yeah, and they'll be just so miserable and what a shock to the system. <laughs> oh, man, shock to the system. Yeah. Well, it's why when people lose a lot of weight quickly, like when they do like a crazy fad detox, that um, they feel bad, like they just feel miserable. They feel tired and headachy and just blah. And I'm like, oh, and they think, oh, it's good, I'm detoxing. I'm like, well, you don't really want to be doing it like that. So um, Yeah, thank you, time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and talking about transition, so another something that we do keep talking about with pet parents because we get it a lot um, is, you know, people jump, not jumping or transitioning over from a process to a raw diet. But one of the biggest concerns with a raw diet is bacteria. And so we do, we see it a lot. There's a lot of like scaremongering out there with, with bacteria, but you also see bacteria in process, like in kibble and cooked foods, right? It's not like it's only in raw food. Mm -hmm. So 
I think we've talked about it before, but I don't know if you want to, uh, Chris, if you want to just touch on like a dog's digestive system and how they process bacteria, well, how they handle bacteria. Well, obviously, you know, they have a much shorter um, digestive system than what we do. Um, and their, their stomach content is quite acidic as well. So, you know, that that assists them with, with eating raw and, and digestive bones and whatnot as well. So, um, it as I said, with the digestive system being that's that short, it doesn't really give those pathogens, potential pathogens that are found in those foods, that time to actually live and then um, regenerate along the way, like it can do from a human perspective without with our digestive system. Um, but but essentially, you know, there's, it's been out there when we started this business 22 years ago, and, and I've heard for 22 years from professionals out there saying that it's full of bacteria and whatnot, but. The reality is they can tolerate it. Um, yes, there is some pathogens out there that would be included or found in some in, in raw foods, um, but it's a real numbers game as well. And you've got a plenty or billions of, of really healthy bacteria there as well. So when I say it's a numbers game, you really want the good bacteria overcrowding the bad bacteria. And if they're overcrowding the bad bacteria, and it's, it is, you know, there is some pathogen, but if they're in very low numbers, it's not going to cause an issue. Um, at all, uh, but even if those numbers were quite high from from pathogen point of view, and and with our dogs with that that acidic gut um, and their digestive, you know, there's minimal minimal. Um, I won't say minimal, but it, it's just that that danger that is the concern out there is just not even real. You know, there's been studies done as well with raw food feeding as opposed to kibble feeding and then the fecal samples and they're finding more more pathogens in the fecal samples. So, you know, there's good there, there's there's lots of um information out there, unfortunately, from a raw food sector, and there is some studies that are happening right now though. Um that's trying to correct that myth. But um, you know, again, some when we're talking about the immune system as well, raw fed dogs that have been fed raw all the time, they can tolerate a lot more higher levels of bacteria. It doesn't mean that that high level of bacteria should be in the food, but if it was, they mightn't be as challenged as what a dog whose immune system has been compromised, um, trying to go across to being a highly exposed raw meat that's full of pathogens, you, you know, they're going to get a reaction or more of a reaction that might be by vomiting, diarrhea, or more serious effects. If, so it's all about... Um, well, it's a real numbers game for me when we're talking about pathogens. And so what do we do? Being a raw food manufacturer, um, what kind of things do we do to make sure our raw food is as safe as possible? No, well, first and foremost is where we're, we're getting our, our products from. And, you know, we work in, as everybody knows, if I was a big dog, we're in the human chain sector. So all of our raw materials are coming out of those plants, will be it. Uh, our meat, um, but also our fruit and veg and that as well. Because don't forget that there's a lot of human consumption vegetables out there that have been recalled because of pathogen overload. So it's not just the meat, but unfortunately the meat cops it. But, you know, it, it's working with our suppliers and, and some of our suppliers have been our supplier for 22 years since we opened the door. So, you know, they understand the quality that we need. Um, and if they don't, well, then, you know, a, a specification is certainly provided to them on what we need and what we require. Um, we randomly test and regularly test also. We do total plate counts. And if anybody doesn't understand, that's really just a swab that is taken um, from our raw materials and samples collected, sent off to third parties. 
um, labs, and then they will will do a chemical analysis on it for us. Um, that'll test for the, ma the macros, and then we'll also test for the micros as well. So, um, you know, that that's a, a good indicator for us if if we get uh, some product that's coming back in higher numbers than what we expected. That means uh, our quality team will jump on the phone to the supplier, have a good old conversation to them and say, what have you changed? Um, something's going on. We share these results with them. And we more or less indicate that we won't be tolerating it. Um, if those numbers are coming through consistently at that level. Correct. And what do we do here is, um, and, and total play count is a good indication on the quality system that our suppliers have as well. If you've got nice low numbers coming through on our meat, uh, it's really an indication that that supplier has their quality system spot on, their cleaning's right, you know, their processing's right, they're treating the meat correctly all the way through. Um, no different to our vegetables and fruit as well. Um, but if you, you're getting product that's really high in numbers, well, then you've got to question, question what's going on in, in, in that supplier's facility. Um, so from here, we receive it, we'll process under low, low temperatures. Um, really, the process between time we... we batch to the time it's in our in, in a pack and in our freezer the maximum two hours we really aim for an hour and a half for it to be hitting those blast freezers so that whole process all the one and a half to two hours there is all under controlled temperatures our products clean all the way through uh, or as clean as it can be and it's certainly clean at the beginning of the process but um, as it's passing through controlling the temperatures uh, and making sure that you know our monitoring inspection process is, is spot on all the way through get it into, into our retail packs and into the blast freezer ASAP. Because the optimum temperature for, for our microbes to grow is between 10 and 60 degrees. So you stay under those sort of temperatures all the way through, which you definitely should be from a processing point of view, you're really gonna control those numbers. So if we're controlling those numbers in our processing part, it's so important that the beginning with our suppliers, again, their numbers would certainly control. Yeah. If we're getting product in that's just heavily burdened with, with bacteria, good and bad, you know, you, you're behind the eight ball straight away. Awesome. And I mean, you've been doing this for over 20, was it 22 years now? Are we 22? Yeah. yeah. 22. And, you know, you've got a we, big job, a very clean profile and, you know, we're known in the industry for high quality. So, yeah. We are. We're based in Queensland, obviously. So we, we have to follow the Queensland rules and regulations, which is Safe Foods Queensland. Are they a bit more strict? No. Well, no, they just don't treat us any different. And we're a pet food manufacturer to the human consumption manufacturers like butchers or, or processors out there. Um, you know, we never have a, a repeat uh, inspector coming back and not being happy with their first initial audit. We get audited annually by Safe Foods Queensland, but we also get audited by third-party auditors regularly as well. So, you know, our, our results are always of a high standard. Um, and, and a lot of the inspectors are really impressed with, with our facilities. And, and that's why we like to show them off on social media, right? Yeah, we do. So the Safe Foods Queensland inspectors that come through here mm -hmm. would also be the ones going through your butchers and your woolies and exactly the same. Excellent. Um, cool. Well, have we done it, guys? I mean, it's a pretty big topic. Have I missed anything? Are you like Jazz? I really, really want to tell them about this. Did Narelle want to say anything about pathogens? Oh, look, you covered it really well, Chris. I guess my frustration is, um, you know vets and others you know it's they're always coming back and saying raw food's unhealthy because of the pathogens but as you just outlined it's it comes back to the manufacturer and and their care factor and their quality you know control 
processes in the manufacturing of the product. But what never gets stated, so it's all about the raw, it's all about the raw, but salmonella contamination was the number one or is the number one reason for kibble to be recalled. Um, and, you know, nearly every recall is due to either bacterial contamination or, you know, some other toxic contamination of kibble. And that's what sort of keeps getting left out of the the conversation when pet parents are just trying to decide what the best food for their dog is. So that's something that really um, frustrates me. And it really is about, it's less about raw and more about education and safe food handling practices because, you know, Chris, you alluded to, you know, millions of Australians, let's say, um, suffer food poisoning every year from human foods. And the main reasons for that is just poor handling, poor hygiene and cross-contamination. So, and the main cause of food poisoning in humans are our plant matters. So it's not actually meat. It's it's our fruits and vegetables. It's our leafy greens. It's our sprouts. But there is not a single sort of health authority that's going to say to us, oh, you better stop eating your fruit and veg. Um, it's just too dangerous. Um, you know, most a lot of the chicken in our supermarkets, eggs in the supermarket do have uh, salmonella on them. They're not going to say don't eat the eggs, don't eat the chicken. They're going to say, um, you know, they're going to educate people about how to handle those foods so that they don't get sick. So it's it's just crazy to me that when it comes to dog raw food, there's just this such a closed mindedness um, and false information that's being put out there when um, it's just not the case. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Thanks, Narelle. That's um. Yeah, that's it. I will avoid those leafy greens from now on if I wasn't already. That is not what Narelle said. <laughs> Just gotta wash, I will wash them. I will wash them. Wash your that. sprouts. Yeah. And <laughs> Look, I told you I was here for the awkward laughter. So um, thank you, guys. It's actually been really, really fun and I have learned a lot. Um, if anyone is looking for more information, they can head to our website, bigdogpetfoods.com. If they have any questions, they can email us at info at bigdogpetfoods.com. And we'll see you again soon for another fun episode. Thank you so much, Narelle, for joining us. It was really fun and so nice to see your face finally. Um, yeah, I was. it was fun, Jazz and Chris. So really, thank you for having me. I feel like <laughs> the three of us, or if Nat's still there, the four of us, um, we could just sit and talk dogs um, and dog health for hours and hours. So thank you, Narelle. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you, Thanks, Chris. guys. Boom. <laughs> thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information and content, visit the Big Dog Pet Foods website. Please note that the information discussed is general in nature and has been provided in good faith for educational and informational purposes only. The information provided is not, nor is it intended to be, a substitute for professional advice or care. If any of the topics discussed raises questions or concerns for you regarding the health of your pet, we recommend that you consult your veterinarian or trusted pet health provider for individual assessment and advice.